the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So we know that on the basis of what Jesus already done, this centurion demonstrated true faith. He said to Jesus, in essence, I don't need more proof. I don't need more evidence. I don't need more convincing. Just say the word, and I know. I know in my heart that this will happen. You know what that's called? It's called waiting on the Lord. You know, the Bible speaks about waiting on the Lord. Now, waiting on the Lord is another way of saying honoring the Lord. Okay, When I say waiting on the Lord, I don't mean, you know, you, you, you twiddle your thumbs and you look at your watch waiting for something to happen or waiting for someone to come. That's not what the, the biblical concept of waiting is. Waiting is about honoring someone because we already know who they are and what they have done. So when the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's not talking about waiting, sitting idle, waiting for God to do something. That's not what it means. What it means is this. Those who honor the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who have an honorable heart, who have humbled their hearts, Trusting that God is who he said he is and, and knowing what God has already done, they will renew their strength. It's true then, it's true now for everybody else today. Okay, So this Roman centurion knew how to honor God, how to honor the Lord. Okay, That's a true demonstration of faith. A true demonstration of faith in God is always accompanied by a period, a, a sense of Honoring the Lord. Because honoring the Lord, waiting on the Lord, carries a biblical concept of actively and expectantly hoping, serving, and trusting. You know, it, you, you know that your faith is real. You know that you're really putting your trust and belief in the Lord when you actively and expectantly hoping on Him, you are serving Him, and you are trusting Him. That's what it all means. Without an honorable heart, without a humble heart enough to honor what God has done and who He is, you know what? We'll, we'll crumble because there's no real faith in there. Again, let me repeat, this is a broken record sometimes. You know, sometimes I stumble through a sermon because I need to emphasize some points, right? Faith is ascribing honor to God for who He is and what He has already done. Because faith doesn't honor or wait for anyone it doesn't know. Okay? Uh, you know, when you interview for a job, no employer will hire you unless they can trust you. And how do they trust you? They vet you. They look for references. They look for your past experiences. Why? Because that's how they will develop trust. The same thing is true with us. You and I can never, ever really express our faith in God unless we know who He is and unless we know 
what he has already done. So, what has Jesus already done? Listen very carefully. He already died on the cross for our sins. He already suffered to give us redemption, okay? He was already buried, okay? On the third day, He already rose from the dead, amen? He has already sent the Holy Spirit to abide with us forever, and He already ascended to heaven, and He is now in heaven, already seated on His glorious throne of great power, Okay, that's the finished work of Jesus that the gospel is talking about. When we say we have faith in Jesus, that's exactly what we are affirming. We're not guessing. We no longer doubt what Jesus has already done. Okay, we trust in what Jesus have already done said now if you're hearing this for the first time some of you may be watching you have heard this for the first time let me just encourage you this morning to put your faith in what jesus has already said and what he has already done don't waste any more time because that's how jesus knows you're exercising authentic faith enough of the games either jesus is lord or he's not. And I put my faith on the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to heaven except through me. That's what I did when I was 16 years old. Have you done that? Have you placed your faith in Jesus for what he has already done? And I know you're scratching your head and you're saying, well, you know what, Pastor, I, uh, I already know that. Then I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to someone who still thinks that faith is something that, that somehow we can conjure up on the inside of us and make ourselves subjected to it. It's not. We put our faith on the finished work of Jesus. And it's finished. When he died on the cross, when he rose from the dead, when he ascended to heaven, he seated on the throne. No more room to doubt. Amen? Right? God has given us the ultimate light, the light of Christ. Now, some people are saying, well, you know what? I, I still need some convincing. <laughs> You're going in the wrong direction. God has already given us all the light we can have so that we can come to him by faith. Okay? He has given us, we know this, the light of creation. Okay? You're going to have to account for who created this whole mess right here. <laughs> I call it a mess because it's in sin. But God created everything. When you respond to the fact that God has given us the light of creation, you're on the right track. Because the next light you're going to receive is the light of conscience. Every single person, whether you're an agnostic, an atheist, whether you believe in that religion or this religion, one thing is true. There is an inner hunger for the existence of the one true God. And when you respond to that light, you are now ready to respond to the ultimate and greatest light. And that is the light of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's when true faith really comes in. Ah, you know, you're going to get accused of being, you know, exclusivist. I am an exclusivist. There's no other name been given for which all humanity will be saved. 
but only in the name of Jesus. Do you all hear that? There's no name above every name. Do you all hear that, people? That's where we put our faith, in the word of Christ. Okay? We trust his word, and we honor it. We wait on it on the basis of what he said, who he is, and what he has already done. I love the story in Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas. I love that story. I read it over and over again. They were arrested and put in jail for a crime that they did not commit. They were serving the Lord. They were worshiping God. They were spreading the gospel, and they got arrested. They said, you're causing a, a lot of trouble. You're preaching this name of Jesus, and we don't believe in him and all of that. So we're going to put you in jail. Actually, they healed a demon-possessed girl. That's why they were, they were put in jail. And while they were in jail, they, were, they, 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 didn't, they didn't complain. They didn't complain to God. You know, When they got into trouble, they didn't say to God, God, why do you allow bad things to happen to good people? It's a stupid question. You know, people ask that stupid question all the time. Pastor, if God is so good, why does he allow evil to happen? None of your business what God allows or does not allow. We put our faith on what God has already said. Okay, but Paul and Silas, they were in prison for a crime they didn't commit. They were serving the Lord, but still, they were in jail. They didn't complain. They didn't say, God, you know, perform a miracle for me and, and let this punish these people. They're evil people. Go ahead and send them to hell, God. God, why are you allowing us to suffer this way? No, they didn't do any of that. You know what they did? They started singing praises. They started worshiping God in the midst of all of that trouble. No question about why does God allow bad things? You know what they did? They started saying, well, Silas, here we are in jail. Let's start singing. Let's start singing this song. I, I believe they sang this song. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I believe that's what they sang. You know what that's called? Faith in what God has already done. They knew who God is. They knew who Jesus is. They knew it. No more stupid question. No more doubting. Yeah, I'm talking to all of us. Pandemic comes in and says, where's God in all of this? God has always been where he's at in your heart if you have faith in Jesus. It never left. Jesus says, I'll send the Holy Spirit, and he will abide for you for about three months. Is that what he said? He will abide with you. Exactly right. And how can Jesus say that? Because Jesus is saying that to people who have faith in his word. That's what it is. Okay? Years later, Paul will say this to all of us, to the, to the Christians. Romans 12. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of of what God has already done. And what has God already done? He has shown us His mercy. In view of God's mercy, to what? To offer, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, worthy and acceptable to God, because this is your reasonable act of worship. So it's worship that, help, that, that makes Jesus acknowledge our faith. Psalm 27, 13 to 14 says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Honor the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Honor the Lord. Secondly, not only is it our worship that makes Jesus acknowledge our faith, but secondly, it's Jesus' word that moves us to ask in faith. Okay, it's Jesus's word that moves us to ask, ask rather in faith. Look at the verse, the following verse, verse eight. 
the centurion says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he doesn't. This centurion recognizes that Jesus is a much higher power. Jesus' words are much higher. He is inferior. His, his, his ability, his authority to command people doesn't even come close to the authority of Jesus to command not only people, but to command illnesses and sickness and demons and tragedies. His word is more powerful than his, and that's called worship. You know, the people who witnessed this event happening have always understood uh, faith on the, on the basis of performing the rituals and requirements of the law. Adherence to the traditions of the prophets. There's no faith involved. You know how people worship in the time of Jesus? Th th there's no faith involved. Okay? Yeah, listen to this very carefully because maybe, maybe uh, you're caught in this trap. Uh, the people in the time of Jesus, the people who were listening to Jesus have this exchange with the centurion, their, their idea of worship has nothing to do with faith. Their idea of, of worship is offering sacrifices. Their idea of worship is just fulfilling the commandments of the law, adhering to the words of the prophets. There's no faith involved. God is only as worthy as their ability to satisfy His commands. Their actions are more important than the intention of their heart. The, their action is more important than what God is saying to them. Their relationship with God is what we call covenantal relationship. It's a relationship not based on faith. It's a relationship based on a contract, an agreement. And we do this, God will do that. But that's what a covenantal relationship is. Okay, No faith involved. It's just the fact that God's, God said through the prophets, you do this seven days a week and God will do this for you, right? That's a contract. God, I will do these certain things and I expect you, God, to do this for me, okay? It's covenantal. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relationship based on uh, a contract that they made with God. God is only accessible as to the amount of obedience they can perform. And what's the problem with that? That prob the problem with that is that it's a relationship based on expectations and not trust. God doesn't want a relationship with Him based on a reciprocal or mutual expectation. God doesn't want us to continue to have that covenantal contractual agreement with Him and say we have because God, ex I expect God to do this when I do that. You understand what I'm saying? God doesn't like that. He doesn't like to make agreements with people. I, I'm, I'm telling you that. Jesus never, ever made a contract, a covenant with people. You know what Jesus did? He brought a new and better covenant. That's what Jesus did. Why? Why is God not wanting us to have a relationship with Him based on a covenant or a contract? Here's why. We always fail to meet our end of the deal. You can promise God all you want, but I guarantee you, you're going to fail and I'm going to fail meeting my side of the obligation. That's why God says, I don't trust you. Jesus says he never placed his trust on any man because he knew what was inside the heart of a man. 
unless God does the work, you know, we'll never honor God. Unless we heard or we hear the word of Christ. God does not want a relationship with us based on reciprocal expectations because we fail to meet our end of the bargain. Uh, Jesus already took our end of that bargain and satisfied God on our behalf. So now, anything we ask God in the name of Jesus, He hears us. Amen? That's, that's what it's all about. You know, there's a, there's a verse in Mark eleven twenty four. 24, a most misunderstood verse in the Bible. When Jesus says, Ask anything in prayer and you will, ha you will have it. Isn't that, isn't that what, what that verse says? And how misunderstood is that verse? You got a whole generation of Christians thinking that that's a contract. <laughs> right? They said that when Jesus says, uh, you know, ask anything in my name and, uh, and, and, and my Father will, will, will give it to you. That's not a contract, people. Jesus was not giving us any kind of promise or contract that God will give and do anything we want. The context of that passage, the context of that verse is clear. Jesus was removing the authority of the covenant, the old covenant, the law, the teachers of the law who dictates worship and replacing it with the covenant of his blood that was shed on the cross. That's what faith in him looks like. If you read Mark 11 in context, you will discover that Jesus was walking in Jerusalem and he saw a fig tree. That fig tree was blooming with leaves, lots of leaves. And Jesus was hungry and he looked at that fig tree leaves and on the outside it looks like it's it's alive in the outside it looks like all the leaves are green but it had no fruit and jesus what did jesus do he cursed it he cursed it because it was not authentic in its fruitfulness he was speaking about the kind of mentality and the kind of attitude the people of his day the people who think that, that hey, we, we are what we do. We obey the law. We obey the commandments. We listen to the prophets. All of these things, that makes us fruitful. Jesus says, no, you only look fruitful on the outside. But in the inside, you're dead. And that's why Jesus cursed it. He said, you never bear fruit that way anymore you will not bear fruit by obeying the old covenant you will now only can bear fruit if you follow and listen to my word what did jesus say in john 15 if you abide in me and you abide in my word you shall be my disciples i am the vine you are the branches anyone who draws nourishment from me will bear much fruit that's what it's all about. I, I know you read the Bible and I know that you understand it. Trust in the word of Christ. You and I are created for the glory of God. And our purpose is not to negotiate some kind of a covenant or a contractual agreement with God, but to trust him exclusively by faith. Believe me, you will never ask God anything contrary to his will if you and I know how to honor God's word. Isaiah 43 verses 5 to 7 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, 
Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory. What God is saying to us is this. Very simply, he has already taken care of everything that we need to have our faith authenticated by the word of Christ. And there's a final thought about the faith in the word of Christ here, okay? Third, third point this morning, and that is, it is Jesus' will that moves us to act in faith, to act in faith. It is the will of Jesus. So, uh, you know, Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done as you believe it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. I don't want us to focus so much on the centurion at this point. I don't want us to focus so much on, on the miracle that Jesus actually performed. I want us to focus in this last verse for a moment on how the people who were witnessing this whole thing taking place, how they responded to this whole situation. Remember, they were still living in the old covenant understanding. This is blowing them away. They haven't seen anything like this. You know, normally when someone receives a blessing or receives a healing, the, 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 the protocol is you go to the temple and offer a sacrifice. The protocol is you, con you, you contact the priest. You go to the Sanhedrin. You ask permissions. Uh, and, and, and when they saw Jesus simply said, Wow, you have faith. Go ahead. Your, your, your servant will be healed. That must have really made them angry because they didn't understand what true faith is they were they were saying to themselves who is this gentile that jesus simply favored jesus simply healed his servant he didn't have to do anything well that's just not fair but what the people didn't understand but there's a lot of work that that centurion was doing in his own heart he is working out that honor that he said that he'd be giving to god how many of you uh, believe this morning that having faith is not easy. It's not easy. When you say you're a person of faith, that's not an easy thing to say. That's not an easy thing to prove. Amen? Why? There are three reasons why it's so difficult. Believing is hard work. First reason is this. Faith or believing is not done externally, but internally. Okay? True faith comes from the inside. Jesus knows who the true believers are okay secondly faith or believing is not something we validate on our own we need the holy spirit to demonstrate faith in and through us okay and that's the second uh reason john fourteen twenty six: the advocate the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i have said to you thirdly Faith is hard work. Believing is hard work because it will be opposed not just by the devil but by the world. So I'm not selling to you an easy believism. I, I, I don't want you to think that uh, talking about faith is something that's easy or having faith is something that's an easy thing to have. Okay, I'm not going to cheat you on that aspect of being here this morning. Faith takes hard work work that's why james says faith without works is dead okay and yet only faith in christ and what he has done can ac accomplish great and mighty things for the glory of god the bottom line is this the bottom line is this let me ask us this question do we have an honorable heart of faith 
Are we humble enough to acknowledge what God has already done in Jesus Christ? Does your faith still depend or condition by what we want God to be and what we want God to do? This is a subtle thing that even many Christians don't see in their walk with Jesus. You know, as Christians, we often talk about our faith being this or being that. Let me just close by saying this to everybody this morning. True faith comes from an honorable heart. And an honorable heart is a heart humble enough to trust in Jesus for who he is and for what he has already done. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.